this is such an uphill battle to get organic posting when you have a brand that like no one recognizes. First, no one's following you. How are you going to get any sales? You know, no one's literally no one's following you. So yeah. like your first hundred people may see your brand, but not purchase. Maybe the first 10,000 people may see the brand and not purchase. And it's going to take you a long time to go from zero to a thousand on Instagram. Uh, like it's not going to take you a day. It's going to take you months. This is Limited Supply, the place for refreshingly real takes on what D2C is really like. We're your hosts, Nick and Moyes. Let's start talking about money. Nick, the first decade in e-commerce was all about customer acquisition with Facebook, Google, and Snap. The next decade of e-commerce is going to be all about customer retention. Now, at the end of the day, you got to look at what's left in the bank account when all is said and done. What's the contribution margin look like and how much profit is there that will fund my next purchase order or my next ad campaign? With your AOV, I bet your customers would have loved the loyalty program. When I was at Hint, our loyalty program was incredible, but it was too outdated. That's why I'm so excited that we're partnering with Tandem for this season. Tandem is the infrastructure that allows brands to launch their own branded credit cards in less than 48 hours. With branded cards from Tandem, you cut processing fees by 66% and use their suite of tools to improve your contribution margin by up to 10%. Book your demo with Tandem and see how branded payments can level up your business. If you go to ddc.creditcard in your browser, you'll even get a $100 Amazon gift card to take a demo. That's DTC. Dot credit card and book a demo to see how you can maximize contribution margin. Nick, it is season seven, episode one. This season will make it as long as Star Trek The Next Generation and Star Trek Deep Space Nine, both yeah. of which got to sit seven seasons. I can't believe we got here. I know, it's pretty fun. I guess we did it all 2023. When did we start this, 2022? Or did we start in 2023? No, no, we remember. definitely didn't start this year. I think we might have even started... Two years ago. Is that possible? Yeah. Well, now it's 2024. Yes. Now it's 2024. Okay. Yes. Well, we started for, oh, we, this has been a while. And like, you know, we've had some great guests on. Yeah, we have. And I really enjoyed- your like, favorite? The first episode with Ben from True Classic Tees was my, uh, was my favorite episode yeah. still. I feel um, like that was like, um, you know how Harvard has like classes they put online? Yeah. That to me felt like a Harvard level class yeah. of e-commerce. You know, I know we're going to get into this episode in a bit. I do think that a business idea, I was recently toying around with this business idea or I was thinking about it and I texted myself about it to like remember it, which is someone needs to create like, you know how there's like vocational schools, like mechanic schools yeah. and all that kind of stuff. I don't want like a four-year university. If I'm 18 years old, I don't want a four-year university for computer. Not everything needs to take four years. Like why yeah. is political science take four years and computer science and biology? How right. is that human or music? Why? How is that possible? I was thinking like someone should open up a vocational school for like, you're going to be trained to make a lot of money. Then like, you know, maybe it's a year and a half, but it's not eight weeks of like, you know, software engineering and you're done. Now you're a right. software engineer. We're going to, you're going to be a shitty software engineer and you're going to work at Google. You know, give me uh, three months on e-commerce. Give me, you know, six months on software engineering or a year on software, you know, teach me a vocation so that when I'm done with this, I have a really good understanding of it. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that would have been Oh, like, you know, the first class of like how to run this kind of stuff. Yeah, fully agreed. I also really enjoyed um, Ty Haney. I yeah. thought that was just, uh, as a fan of the band, I yeah. know you are too. It was yeah, cool to hear the backstory yeah, yeah, yeah. and what happens. I hope that story one day gets made into a Netflix movie. Yeah, that's, that you know, really like, cool. um, I feel like we've been lucky enough to have a bunch of people who are really genuinely honest with us. Yeah. In agreed. part, because like we can sniff out bullshit in part yeah. because that like we self-select for that. And like Ty was that way where she's like, look, I had a tough relationship with the chairman of our board. Right. Ben was that way, telling us all of his numbers. You know, even on the last time we had him on, he's like, this is how much we did in November. This is how much we did on Black Friday. So it is it is really refreshing to see that. Yeah. Another cool highlight was um, when we had Harley on. Yeah. And we just had a bunch of ideas for product innovation on Shopify. Yeah. And then within two weeks, these they rolled out with a bunch live. of them. Yeah. yeah. They, it's not like they were planning to. They yeah. were just live. That was insane. Yeah. I couldn't believe, like, the cohort analysis... He's like, uh, when people saw, uh, when I saw it on there, I was like, you did this? Like, you went back and actually did this? That was amazing. Yeah. Who's your dream guest for e-commerce? Dream guest And assume e it's not Jeff, let's say it's Jeff Bezos is number one. Who's number two? Well, I think one that I think we'll probably get is Ryan from Jolie, just okay. because of how fast that thing has grown. Yeah. Let's see, another dream guest for e-commerce. Actually, who's yours? Possibly uh, Andrew from Clavio. I'd love someone who's like, hey, I'm in the weeds and I've seen this work for brands and this hasn't worked for brands. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it probably, like, you know, I think he might do that, but like, you know, he, it's been a long time since he's been in the weeds at Clavio. Maybe, uh, is it Jeremy from Sunlane? Yeah. Um, maybe Jeremy Jimmy. from, Jimmy, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, maybe um, Beller from Postscript. Like I, I, like one of these guys who's yeah, like, yeah, I've seen a lot side. of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he's like, this is what I've seen work and this is what I haven't seen work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. I think also um, it would be cool to see more of on the on the creator side of the brands. I yeah. think that would be cool to get like a a, a CMO level role from uh, more celebrity side yeah. brand. Another one would be um, trying to get like a, even like a CFO's perspective yeah. on e-commerce. Yeah, I think that yeah. would be a cool one to bring yeah, in that as would well. Be, yeah, yeah, we had that great conversation with Cody where like we're talking about where do you put in uh, human resource, like right. you know people who work in the marketing department, are they marketing expenses or not? And I, I always love conversations like that because yeah. everyone makes their own judgment and they're like, this is why I do it. And sometimes it's incentive-based and sometimes it's just like, this is where we think it fits. It would also be fun if we did a debate, if we got, uh, you know, if we had like Cody and then um, a senior level person from like Estee Lauder or uh, L'Oreal or one of these legacy yeah. beauty brands. And we almost like set up somewhat of a debate, you know, because I'm sure they would have differences in opinion and how they go about marketing or advertising or whatever it is. Yeah. I think it could be cool to see the dichotomy. That would be really interesting. Yeah. Okay. For this episode, we're doing a Q&A. We got a bunch of questions from our Slack community, which is, you know, several thousand people strong. Yeah. LimitedSupplyPod.com. And so we got a bunch of questions coming through Slack and I think possibly through Twitter as well. And so we're going to run through a bunch of, uh, you know, Slack user community and Twitter Q&As that we've got. Amazing. We've got uh, thousands of people now who are active on Slack. So I've got some questions that I picked here and um, we're just going to get right into it. So first question comes from Rose. Rose asks, what SaaS companies are most commonly pitched or used by e-commerce brands that are actually adding no real or measurable value, but everybody seems to fall for it? Jesus, that's a good question and like a harsh question. Do we have lawyers on retainer? <laughs> um, I will say this. Let me tell you SaaS brands that I'm not, I don't love. Okay. And one is Recharge. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people use Recharge for subscriptions. And for a long time, it was the only option available on Shopify for subscriptions. It was like Recharge and Bolt. And Recharge's integration was much better. But like it is not, when I use Recharge, it was really tough. It wasn't great. And when, uh, like, you know, I had a conversation like we had with Harley here um, talking about Recharge with, uh, you know, executives at Recharge. And I was like, here are obvious product features you should have. And they were like, maybe you shouldn't use Recharge anymore. And I was like, I fucking hate you guys. Yeah. And like, I've never mended that bridge. So I'm not a big fan of that team. And so I'm always like a fan of every other subscription platform. I think you you might be in one of them. I'm not, I'm not an investor in any. You're in two of them. Yeah. Uh, I really like loop. I'm not an investor in any. Let me be oh, clear. I don't have an dude, advisor guy, in any. That guy's a beast. Yeah. This guy who runs Hayush, loop. I think. Yeah. He, if you want him to build out something, it'd be like that Harley thing where they're like, yeah. okay, not great, only that, he'll come fly to you. Yeah. Spend a day with you, learn what you want and, and then have it done by the time you wake up. Yeah. And he'll fly from India and yeah. then fix it over here, wherever you are. And then on his flight back, you will personally build it so that it's yeah. done by the time he, he lands. Uh, so I really like that ferociousness. Yeah. The other things that I don't love, and I, uh, you know, I hate to mention these because I think you might be an investor in them, but I'm going to mention them anyway. Uh, one is like co-op commerce, mm-hmm. or like you know that thing where you're like, okay, you can share customers at the end of this. Uh, I don't think that any of those things work or add value, and I, I've heard them say that they add value, so I could be entirely wrong. And I've never been associated with a brand that's been using it, I think, but I don't think those things work. Okay, but uh, hopefully I'm wrong. If you're an investor, yeah, yeah. Are you investor now that they're on a CPA based model, it's worked much better. Okay. They're on a CPA before they were on a CPM based model. Correct. And it didn't work well. It still worked well, but you know, it's one of those things where like, uh, it's such a unique placement for ads. It really works best if you're a brand name brand. Like if you're not a brand brand, it's hard for somebody to see a lip balm and click it and get excited. But if it's like miracle bomb is right there and you just purchase from Caraway, you know, you might see that and it gets you to click and eventually make a purchase. I think that one time somebody told me that like uh, 10% of people who saw one of those things were uh, active on the other site. I don't even know what the click-through rate is, but I'd be surprised if it was more than 2%. Yeah, I'm not sure. Okay. 2% sounds right though. Yeah, uh, but like, you know, I, I don't have anything against them to be clear. I just yeah, don't yeah. think that it'll work 
and I wouldn't use it. But okay. like, you know, uh, you may be an investor and other people may be using it. Maybe it does work. Yeah. Honestly, I've just, I've never heard people be like, wow, we're really growing our brand based on this type of share. Yeah. What, what are the other things? Um, I, I'll give you one other thing that I don't think works, but I don't, I, this isn't really a SaaS company. It's um, like, you know, those email shares where we're like, win a thousand dollars, win thousand dollars. And you know, five of brands will email all the customers. And you know, as a brand, you're like, I, we did this once with Vogue or not with Vogue. It was like with Cosmo magazine. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, we emailed our 2 million people and three people signed up. And I'm like, who did you email that like three people <laughs> yeah. signed up? I don't think any of those things work. And I think there's some SaaS platforms that are uh, geared towards that. And then there are, I think there's a lot of SaaS companies that are too, that, that don't answer this question. Where are commonly pitched or used? That are not commonly pitched or used, but they're just too, they're, they're, I'm sorry, they do add real value. They're far too expensive for what they're asking. Yeah. Um, okay, but you answer the question. Tell me what you think it is. Yeah, I'll actually answer it the other way around. I'll say what I think is um, what you should really just focus on, I think are the basics. Like, I think the basics are good for probably wow. 90 This is why people. everyone likes you and nobody likes me. I'm saying like bad things about people and you're like, no, let me tell you the good guys. <laughs> oh, that's so easy. No, I'm, okay. For, okay. First you answer that question, but then I'm going to hold you to this. I'm going to hold your okay. feet to the fire here. You have to say something bad about somebody, motherfucker. <laughs> All right. So I think, uh, you know, you should use the basics. And I also think that there are, you know, you mentioned this recently on My First Million. A lot of these apps that exist are one chat GPT update away from being cloned and you know you don't you don't you don't ever have to pay for it again. Or some guy in India is gonna create, you know, the next version of Okendo and clone it and it's gonna work perfectly fine. And it'll um, be twenty dollars a month. Yeah. And he'll or be or twenty dollars a year. Yeah. And he'll be yeah, exactly. And I don't know why the India if I were in India, uh, I would have an army of Indians just cloning every Shopify app that comes out. Yeah. So I think like you should have, obviously you'll, you'll use Shopify most likely. You got to have something for email. You need to have something for reviews, you know, subscription if you have it. And that's honestly pretty much all you need. Like you'll use Google Analytics or you can use something like Peel if you want something easy. That's pretty much all you need to get started. And then as you grow, depending on what you need, I think the most important thing is, um, you know, like, uh, for example, Cody was talking about house analytics or house, uh, which is some analytics platform. You know, if you go to their site, the logos that are featured on the site are like Ritual or Sonos or FanDuel. These are huge brands. And so I think it's important to make sure that the the softwares that you choose or the companies you work with are working with a similar size brand to you, not just that you're aspiring to be like them and end up working with them. Such a good point. Um, because you end up getting, one, you end up paying a lot more. I'm not saying anything bad about house. I've never used it. But um, generally, you end up paying a lot more. And uh, if you're a, a $10 million business among a customer base of $100 million brands, you're just never going to get the attention. And you, the features might just not be made for you. You know, exactly. like, They're like, I need a finance dashboard. And you're like, I don't need a finance dashboard. Yeah. I need to understand what what Facebook ad is working. Yeah. Um, okay. And so who should you use for like a refer a friend? Like, uh, what's a good software for that? A refer a friend? Yeah. Um, what, like, you know, there's friend buy, I think there's one. Yeah. There, there's like friend buy, there's talkable. Honestly, yeah. there, there's two that, that I would use, which are better. One is social snowball. I think they just do a better job of refer a friend. And for them, it's more of a, they're an affiliate platform. So this is just a, a feature of an affiliate platform. The other one, which is probably not as good of a fit for refer a friend, but can do it is Superfiliate. Have you heard of that one? Yeah. But Superfiliate, you would generally use with more like creators or influencers. Yeah. 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 I, I, we use Talkable <clears throat> and Native and I thought it was great, but I also thought it was really, like that was one thing where I was like, okay, I need a, where's the guy who's cloned this and it costs $50 yeah, a month? Like yeah. why am I paying? This there also has to be like a good structure for, for a friend. It can't just be, you know, give me $5 and I'll give $5. Like there's gotta be, you know, there's this credit card company called X or X1 and they do something where it's like, if you, if I refer you, if I text you my link and you, and you sign up, I now get, you know, 10 X the points for the next 30 days. And so there's like some incentive or Dropbox, I think was like, you know, you get extra storage for free. So it's like, there's gotta be something of real, tangible value that I actually want, not just another five bucks. Uh, at Native, we had 4% of our new customer revenue came from like refer a friend. And there's yeah. a lot of fraud in there as well, which yeah. we didn't really care that much about. Like there's only one company that's done refer a friend really well in the history of refer a friend. And that's been um, Dropbox, yeah. which was refer a friend. I think Uber storage. too. 
What did Uber do? Uber, Uber's deal was something like, damn, I don't even remember. I want to say it was something where it's like you give 25 bucks and you get 25 bucks. Okay. Like it was just a, a, you know, at the time too, when they were doing it, that's like three rides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. That, that was, I remember uh, those days where Uber, I'd take an Uber pool and no one would come in and it'd be $4. So <laughs> yeah. Like, I used to have, uh, there's this guy in India who would sell, like you could tell him your Uber referral code. He would run Google AdWords ads in third world countries that have Uber. They would use my code. So I would pay, you know, $4 for every use and I'd get 25 back. Wow. It was amazing. Wow, that is great. There was some guy that's really smart and like hustling. I love that. There was a guy who bought a billboard in San Francisco. It's like, if you're buying a Tesla, use my code. I'll give you half back or something. Oh, wow. Because it'd be like, you'd get $1,000 for referring you. And I was like, look at this guy. He bought a billboard to advertise his referral code. Good for him. Um, okay, name a brand, name a piece of software that you think is adding no real measurable value, but is commonly pitched. Oh, man. Say something bad. Say something bad. about um, It could be anybody. You could say something bad about... Okay, I'll... I'll, I'll uh, you know, okay. we used to shit on Yapo a lot. I feel like no one shits on them anymore, and I'm not sure yeah. if, like, you know, maybe they've changed their practices, which is great. Give me a company where you're like, you know what, I use this, and I didn't have a great experience. Yeah, I think, honestly, I think the influencer platforms... <laughs> And not even just one specific, I think most of them, they charge you, you know, $30,000 a year to basically look at a directory of Instagram handles Mm. and look at follower growth and whether or not those followers are real. And then if you want to add campaign management on top of that, that's another few thousand dollars. What's an example of one of these platforms? Oh man, you're getting deep. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Give me me a name. All right. Let's see. You can't be Barack Obama and just say nice things about people. Yeah. And All right. There's else one here. called like IZEA, I-Z-E-A. And I think that it might actually be San Francisco based. Okay. Or, you know, like uh, Upfluence or, yeah, there's a number of these guys. Okay. Um, but the problem is like, you know, you, I remember we inquired last year for one of them and it was like, you have to get platform access for a 12 month minimum, 12 month contract. You have to pay up front or pay quarterly. And it's like 30 grand a year. And then you, what you log in. And this is also now Facebook doesn't actually, the API that fa- that they used to use from Facebook, which would funnel the data in is no longer available. So it's literally just a directory of Instagram handles. And I, I just think it's scummy, like sure. charging $30,000 for basically a scraper, a glorified scraper yeah. and Asana. That's essentially what it is, a scraper and Asana. Yeah. And I think you'd be better off hiring a, uh, somebody from Oceans for you know a few grand a month, and uh, they could run this entire program and you wouldn't have to think about it. That's a great answer. Um, so overall, I think the answer to Rose's question is there aren't that many commonly pitched e-commerce things, SaaS uh, companies in e-commerce that add no value. Like the reality yeah. is most companies will add some value. Otherwise, no one's paying for it. Like totally. these are small business. This isn't like, you know, a huge business that doesn't look at their P&L, like, you know, that doesn't recognize a thousand dollar expense. It's a small business that's run by a family or an individual and that's his livelihood. And so they're like, this software doesn't make sense. I'm going to stop using it. And so I think that there aren't a lot of these. I think the ones we've mentioned are ones that we probably just had tougher experiences with. And to be clear with co-op commerce, I haven't even had that experience. I just haven't seen good things or I haven't yeah. heard good things about it. But, you know, you, you mentioned it's CPEA-based now, and that's a very different model than it used to be. Yeah. Cool. Shout out to Rose. Rose is very smart. Um, all right, next question. Tough so, question. Yeah, that was a good question. Next question comes from French, and the question is essentially, you know, there has to be some balance between customer service, customer experience, and, you know, not adhering to every single complaint from a customer. I think mainly in the context of, you know, you ship an order out, Somebody says, hey, my order didn't arrive or it arrived broken or it's damaged or, you know, it was never delivered. But, you know, on the brand side, you have the photo from FedEx that shows the box right in front of their door or that it was delivered or that somebody's name was received upon delivery. And the question is essentially... Um, I love that photo you know, from FedEx so much, by the way. I wish UPS would I know, do it. That it's is just the like, best. Hey, motherfucker, yeah, here it is. We see it. We see it. Uh, so the question is essentially, how do you balance this as a brand? Do you do you send a replacement when somebody says my deodorant didn't arrive? Do you just send a replacement immediately when somebody you send somebody product and they say, oh, I don't really like the scent. I just want a refund. Like, how do you handle that? Is there a certain limit to where you decide, you know, this is too much or we're crossing a line? It is tough to set those customer service policies 
And it's even tougher to be manually doing them yourself because it's your money and you're like, this little bitch just cost me $12. <laughs> uh, so uh, I understand exactly where French is coming from. We would do this, which is, well, let me, let me offer you a couple of solutions. One is I've seen brands sort of say, hey, look, here's an insurance product. If you, uh, you know, cost a dollar to insure this uh, shipment, if you choose not to insure the shipment, we're not responsible oh, you for know losses. What? Going back place. to the first question, route. <laughs> <laughs> I put route on that list. <laughs> that's who, that's who rips people off. That's a great point. <laughs> I just don't see, I never hear about them anymore. I feel like that yeah. business, nobody's talking about that business anymore. You know, after after <laughs> after the episode where we t- exploited Route for suing people, they paid for an article like hyping their exec team up. It was like a, it was a sponsored article. They bought an article for like PR mm. to go against what we were saying. But anyways, yeah, I, I feel like I've, and nobody's talked about it. Maybe people have moved off. Yeah, that's, that's why I say that like the most commonly pitched things, uh, sorry, going back to question one is like, it doesn't exist for a long, like, you know, this isn't an environment where things that don't work get to live. They generally yeah. die because people are smart here. There's a lot of dollars at stake, small businesses. So they care about those dollars. So I, I feel like, um, and I'm not, I have no idea how Route's doing or has done, but I feel like generally there isn't that much SaaS that doesn't work. Yeah. That people are pitching. Uh, okay. So what we would do at Native is we would say, hey, um, We'll send you a replacement, but this is your exchange. We'd say you can get, get one free return or exchange. So basically, you don't like the scent? Okay, great. We're going to replace the scent. But that's it. Now you don't have the ability to return it any longer. You've had an exchange. And that's is that the once per order? Once per customer. Per customer. So yeah. lifetime. Yeah. Okay. You know, if they were like, look, uh, uh, so uh, yes, it was lifetime. But yeah. I'll get uh, like, look, if you had purchased 20 deodorants and your third deodorant and your 20th deodorant <clears throat> you didn't like, yeah, you know, we weren't going to be like, oh, yeah, that's yeah, it. You used sure. it on the third. We're like, well, you got this tag on, uh, we use this, uh, we, you got a tag in our uh, customer service software that said super. And once you were a super customer, which means you'd spent a certain amount of money, we were ready to, you know, make exceptions to every rule that we had to say, okay, great. Let's make sure that this customer gets satisfied because they've spent so much with us. They've been so loyal. We have to show loyalty yeah. to them. We weren't going to let a customer buy, buy one, say, I don't like the scent, send them an exchange and be like, I don't like the scent, send me another exchange. Like you weren't going to get three. De- and like, you know, for deodorants, it wasn't even worth shipping it back. You've used it and we're right. going to throw it away. So we're just like, here's the new one. Now you have two and they're both like the second one was on us, but that's your return of exchange. You can't do that anymore. Similarly, if someone was like, I got my package, but I don't like, um, I, like it says delivered, but I don't have it. We're like, we'll send you one free one. That's also your exchange. You now have gotten two packages from us, and that's it. Like, you know, they both say that if it said the package wasn't delivered, if it got lost in the mail and said, yeah, you know, different story. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it hasn't been moving for 30, 60 days. Right. That's not on you. That's sure. on us. We're shipping you a free package. That's not your exchange. If it's been delivered, you know, that's it. It's been delivered. We'll still send you one free uh, exchange, but then that's the end of the conversation. And we'll say, hey, is there a better address we can ship this to? Do you have a yeah. business address? Do you have something that, like, you know, support pirates can't get to it? Like, what else can we do here? And, you know, people will be like, I was at home all day. I watched my ring, all that kind of stuff. And we're like, we get it. But what, like, you know, the, uh, the other hard part, and I hate getting customer service because I get so riled up about it. People will be like, I was at home all day. I didn't see it. And I'm like, well, or they'll be like, tell the UPS guy to deliver it in the back of the house. And I'm like, I how do you think this works? <laughs> yeah. oh, do you yeah. think I call the- Let me just go back to my group chat with him. <laughs> yeah, there's thousands of packages. You live in like, you know, wherever you live, how do I know your UPS guy? Like, do you think this is how the world works still? <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure. No problem. Tell your bank account guy to just send it into my other account. Not this yeah. one. Tell you, call your credit card company and do that really <laughs> yeah. quickly. You know, this isn't how the fucking world works, you crazy son of a bitch. Of course, I can't tell this guy anything. <laughs> like, you know, he's productized you. The Pack the productized delivery. That's why it's so cheap to deliver stuff. If yeah. you want in a special spot, you got to do something special. Yeah. You know, give the guy a gift, you know, put a little note on there. Yeah, put a you sign make, out yeah. outside of your front door. Yeah, right. And then look, you know, when the holiday season comes around, you know, you probably want to tip your delivery guy because yeah, you want totally. special things out of it. Exactly. And so, you know, we did for one free return, one free exchange, and we'd be like, hey, this is it. But we, and then like, you know, if you did this on the second order as well, we're like, no, we're enforcing this yeah. policy. Yeah. If you did it on the fifth order, we're like, okay, great. You've been a yeah. loyal customer. We made money from you. We're happy to make exceptions. Right. What would do you think you, of that? Would you track, uh, so as you're doing this, I, I think I would say follow a similar rule. Like, you know, look at the, the order behavior, the order patterns. Would you ever track a uh, profit per customer and decide like, okay, if we are, Let's say, you know, somebody's made 20 orders and so we're, you know, over $100 in profit from the single customer, you know, we're okay to send something free versus like, okay, this person's placed 
three orders and this is the second time they're complaining, you know, we haven't turned a profit on them necessarily. So we're not going to honor this. Good question. A little bit. Uh, but I think the answer was just like, it was overall revenue. Like, you know, it's hard to do that with like individual orders. Cause you can't yeah. be like, okay, this person's purchased this item, this item, and this item customer service, this person's profitable, send them, you know, it's yeah. like a little bit hard. So we were just like, look, if you've played, if you spend a certain amount with us, we'd tag you as a super customer and we'd ship you stuff. But it was like, you know, but you're right. Like if there were, you know, if you would purchase four times from us and had three problems, you might be tagged as a super customer if you spent enough. And then we'd be like, fuck. So there was a little bit of like, one of the things that we'd always try and do is empower our customer service people to make the right decision. I was yeah. always like, whatever you think is right is right. Uh, tr try yeah, and put yourself in those me. shoes. <laughs> yeah, don't, not just don't ask me, but also like you can make except like here are the uh, general parameters. You can make exceptions to the rule. I remember yeah. telling our customer service team, I was like, uh, British ETA, which is, was this like terrorist organization in England, <clears throat> once tried to kill Margaret Thatcher by blowing up a bridge. Mm -hmm. And um, they missed and the bridge blew up, but she wasn't on it or like they weren't able to blow it up. I forgot what it was. And she was safely returned to 10 Downing. And they called up 10 Downing and they're like, uh, you were lucky. You have to be lucky every time. We have to be lucky only once. Yeah. And I was like, look, we have to be lucky every single time. You guys have to make the right decision every single time because our brand is, you're the forward facing element of our brand. Every time you interact with somebody, it is an interaction where you could damage our brand and you should think about that. And you should like, you know, try not to do things. Even when people are assholes to us, we can't be assholes back to them. When they're outrageous, we have to be calm. And so I tried to empower them and say, hey, look, you can make the right decision and you can do what you think is right. Like think about if you were a third party hearing this and you're like, this person had three problems over three orders and wants three exchanges, probably like, you know, people would agree that, hey, you don't have to constantly cater to them. Yeah. Uh, but this person's ordered 10 times, probably want to bend over backwards to make sure that we do something excellent for them. Totally. Going back to the first question, I thought of another software um, yeah. that is not worth the hype yeah. and that is Narvar. Oh, wow. Okay. Now we're talking. Now I we're take talking. back all of the comments I made about all of the brands I said. Yeah. Uh, no, I keep all of them, actually. I take it back. <laughs> um, but yes, Narvar. Oh, my God. Could some guy in India charge $25 a month and do what Narvar does for $50,000 a year? Oh, yeah. Definitely. And in fact, it's Narvar is a free item on ShipStation. You yeah. want a tr branded yeah, tracking page? Right. You can get that on ShipStation free. for free. Yeah. Uh, so I have no idea... What kind of cones these guys have to be a, a charging so much money? Yeah. And look, you know, I get it. J. Crew uses them. Sure. I understand J. Crew. I don't know who's making those decisions. And the person who's making those decisions, like, he cares about uptime. He cares about looking good in front of his yeah. boss. Privacy. He doesn't care about $50,000. I don't even know. Like, yeah, he says privacy, but he doesn't know what that means. And right. I don't know what that means uh, in this instance either. This is a $10 a month item. Yeah. So much software should be $10 a month. And like, you know, Narvar will be like, uh, how many... You know, how many orders do you have? I was like, what the fuck do you care how many yeah. orders I have? You're providing a it tracking link. $6 to you in server costs. Yeah, that's yeah, it. That's right. $6. Yeah, yeah. And if I had, it, it, the difference between a guy doing 10 orders and a billion orders is $6. Yeah. So, you know, I'm between, you know, don't worry about it. Add right. $6 to me and yeah. I can do a billion orders. Yeah. And they're like, oh no, if you're doing 10,000, it's way more expensive than if you're doing 9,000. I was like, why? <laughs> what? Where is this coming from? And there's so much software like that. I don't understand it. Like, you know, um, yeah, there's so much software like yeah. that. It really uh, once you get into that enterprise software world, it's like how how badly can we rip off yes. companies? Yes, where they're like, uh, oh, call us to find out pricing. Oh, it means the worst. We are gonna try and fuck you yeah. as bad as we can, exactly. And we're gonna have a Christmas party based on your, <laughs> yeah. your selling to you. People over here are gonna be high five. It's like you know that episode, uh, like it's that scene from like uh, Wolf of Wall Street where the guy sells some guy on penny, where I'm yeah, sorry, Jordan yeah. Belfort sells, sells him on penny stocks and everybody in Everybody's the office is like, crazy. oh my God, you just <laughs> fucked this guy. That's what's happening at Narvar. Oh, Every like, day. You know, yeah, I don't understand how that's uh, like, the software is so expensive. I don't understand how they get away with it. Yeah. I feel like that now there may be competitors and stuff. Yeah, but now man. there's definitely better companies. We use Maloma, which is like a fraction of the price. And it's the same thing. It's a brand new It's actually better. Like the design is better. The UX is better. The setup takes five minutes. How much should I expect to pay for Malomo? I don't know. It's not that much. Okay. Uh, it's always been the, the go-to choice because of pricing. Yeah. Anytime I see, oh, you're doing this many orders. Like, you know what happened with ShipStation actually? ShipStation used to be price per seat used to be yes. like, you know, $39, like $25 a seat. So you could be doing a lot of orders and be paying them $200 a month. Yeah. Now they're like, how many orders do you do? And you're like, why does it matter? And they're like, how many API requests do you want? And you're like, first, 
Why would that even matter? Like, what what is an API request cost you a lot of money all <laughs> yeah. of a sudden? Like, it's Here, a, take two cents. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, what is this? And yeah. they're like, you know. So now they're like, oh, we. If you're doing more than thirty, we're, this is thirty thousand orders. If you're paying for thirty one thousand, it's a lot more money. And you're yeah. like, why? The the crazy thing is like, so order based pricing is essentially the same. Like one layer beneath that is pricing based on API calls or API requests. 99% of companies don't charge that way. Like yes. I think Twitter is one of the first big companies I've seen that now does that with yeah. apps that use the Twitter API. Meanwhile, these guys were just cake and profit. Yeah. It costs the same amount of money. Yes. And um, I think if, if a company were to try to do that scale-based pricing, it would be fair if it was based off of your brand's profit. But to take, you know, even $300 uh, on, in software costs, that's coming out of your bottom line. You're, you're net, net, net. Sure. You know, that's like, that's scandalous. And, yeah. And it's just like so much for a small amount of work where they're like, we want to, like everyone wants their hand in your pocket, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so it's hard. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Next question. How hard was it to formulate a new scent for native deodorant? And how long did the process from idea to the actual product take? My uh, current perfumer- Sorry, let me go back to yeah, yeah, that last question. More. The way you, you were thinking about it as like a bottom profit. I always think about it as like a printer and ink. Okay. And I'm always like, all of these guys are like selling the printer for $10. You're like, buy the software. It's so free. It's so good. And then all of a sudden the ink, they're like, oh, yeah. you're over a thousand orders. 25,000, like 25,000 X the price. And you're like, yeah. where did this come from? Okay, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, how um, hard is it to formulate? Uh, yeah, how, how hard is it formulate uh, from idea to the actual product? Uh, my current perfumer is saying it takes around six to 12 months, but I'm not sure if I can wait that long. I don't know as much as you, but I know that that's wrong. Six to 12 months. Is he, wh whoever your current perfumer is, is insane. Are you yeah, crazy? Also, six think, to 12 minutes. Yeah, yeah. It, it's as simple as finding the scent from a perfume house, which there's probably three that are the big ones. And then you go to your contract manufacturer or you send them the perfume. They already have the formulation. They mix it together. They send you a sample. It should be, <laughs> Door to door, uh, you know, idea to sample should be no more than three weeks, four yeah, weeks. Yeah, that's right. Yes, um, that that is the correct answer. And there's different ways of doing it. Some can be, hey, uh, you send your fragrance to my contract manufacturer. They'll add the fragrance in and send me samples. And some contract manufacturers will take the lead on doing that. And some fragrance houses will say, send me your bulk product. Send me unscented native deodorant. I will add the fragrance in myself and yeah. send it to you. And that way there's no middleman here. I'll get, right. uh, you know, I'll test out 50 fragrances. I'll add a little bit to all of the bulk and send it to you. Interesting. And so uh, there's both ways of doing it. Six to 12 months is insane. I would say it's probably a problem with your perfumer. It's almost certainly a problem with your perfumer. There was one instance where we were trying to elevate our scents at Native. So we tried to hire a real perfumer like that was, you know, like everyone's like, you know, use the fragrance house who's selling the fragrance and then use your contract manufacturer. And that's how you'll get it door to door in three weeks. Yeah. And that's the right answer. I said six to 12 minutes because it's really just like adding yeah, the perfume yeah. or fragrance or essential oils to your bulk product, mixing it and letting it go. That's why it's so fast. There was, we tried to hire this like one, you know, fancy perfumer who's like, I make very sophisticated scents. And I was like, great, how much do you charge? And she's like, anytime you order your fragrance, you have to pay me a little bit of money. So she was just like this SaaS model, oh. which is the more orders you do of the fragrance, the yeah. more I get paid. And I was like, uh, look, I'm happy to pay you three grand, four grand, whatever it is to like make a fragrance for us. But you know, we're doing a lot of volume yeah, here. Yeah, it's basically work for hire. Yeah, we're, we're not, like, exactly. We're not paying you uh, a little bit for every, like we don't need another person with their hand that gets, oh, I'm sorry, with, uh, that gets a little bit of revenue yeah, every, every time. time we get a sale. Right. So like, tell me your rate, $5,000 for a cent. Okay, $10,000 for a set I can live with. We're at yeah. scale. I can pay you $10,000. And she's like, no, I need some every time you order. I was like, you have any idea how many we're, we're selling here? Like, this is impossible. Yeah. And so it didn't work out. And I was like, okay, we'll never talk to these people again. Between this perfumer, Narvar, and Route, you're going to be making no money. Yeah, that's right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I really don't like company, like, I don't love businesses where it's like pay for every single order, order you have. Yeah. yeah. And the, like, you know, there's, you know, USPS is a fair advantage where I'm like, I get it. But like Narvar, I don't get, you shouldn't get software where yeah. I'm like, you went from 30 to 40,000 orders. We're increasing your price 25% when the software is the same cost. Totally. Yeah. Okay. What are some creative tactics that highly regulated businesses can use to circumvent marketing restrictions? Sorry, just before we get to this question, I yeah. apologize. How do you do it for long weekends? That exact way. Okay, so yeah. we, uh, yep. we get a bunch of samples of the scents. Uh, actually in this case, Mary Berry helps us filter through a lot of the BS we probably get like a handful. And then if those are good, then Mary just sends us samples. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. It makes a ton of sense. That's exactly what happened with us. Yeah. 
following in your footsteps. Yeah. Um, okay. Creative tactics to, to circumvent highly regulated businesses like cannabis, gambling, sexual wellness, et cetera. Oh my God. So there's a sexual wellness brand I invested in. And for them, they could never really advertise until they launched their body care line. So they launched uh, like body wash and uh, moisturizer, I think, or body oil. And that they were able to advertise and then they could sell their lubes and condoms and all that stuff off the back of that. And then on the cannabis side, we've done a couple cannabis launches. One of them, there's actually an e-commerce platform. I forget the name of it, but uh, it's like you can essentially set up a Shopify-like store, only in California though, where you can set up your pixels and you can set up events and, and things like that. But you still can't advertise that. You have to basically advertise to some piece of content, get first-party data, and then use that info to sell them the product. And so what does that mean? If you're, um, So one is, can you talk about the name of the sexual wellness brand, or you can't? And yeah, that's okay Mod. I'm sorry, what is it? Mod. Mod. M-A-U-D-E. Got it. And then what, if, like, um, so look, let's say it's a cannabis brand. Can I say, here's why cannabis is great for people who are suffering from dementia, and then I have an article and I send people up from, like I can advertise on Facebook to that article. Is that correct or not correct? Correct. You just have to be careful in your words. Like I know Breeze, Breeze yeah. does not, I don't think I don't think they mention cannabis on their site. I think they talk about like euphoric effects or something. They just have a secondary version of the site. We launched this uh, brand for Red Antler a few years ago, which was also like a cannabis brand focused on sleep. And um, it was the same thing. We had to make duplicate versions of the site Sometimes not even hard coding the pages. You just had to take screenshots of what would be text and implement it so that it doesn't get crawled and read. It's honestly like uh, in a perfect so world. So it's a screenshot that you put up instead of text so that no one could crawl. So they could crawl. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Although I don't know if that, that'll still work given today's advancements. But you know the right way to do it is sort of what like telemedicine has done, which is there's a universal certification, which is called LegitScript. That's like online pharmacy certification. And once you have legit script certification, most of the ad platforms need to see that. And then they allow you to advertise, obviously not making sure, you know, making sure you're not exploiting the, the use case of uh, Viagra or whatever. Yeah, That is how it should be done. Also, I think in cannabis, which is there should be some sort of thing you go through, even for gambling. I mean, gambling, I think has looser rules on running ads, but there should be some sort of a certification you get, which allows you almost like a driver's test to then yeah. run the ads. Otherwise you just have like right now there's a bunch of cannabis brands that run ads in the wrong way. And you know, the product might not be legit, but the customer doesn't know cause they're still seeing the ad. That's interesting. I saw one and I'm not sure if this is real. I saw it on Twitter. Somebody recently posted this and they're like, here's an ad. Here's one way to get around it, which was um, they cut up broccoli and then they showed this device on how oh, to yeah, roll yeah. broccoli into like basically a joint. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't illegal, I guess, because it was broccoli. Although I'm not sure. Like, I just saw it on Twitter, so I don't know if that's actually yeah. a legitimate ad. Um, I don't have a good answer to this. I'm that was a really good answer. I don't have anything to add. I will say for uh, creative inspiration on how to go about these regulated industries, I think TikTok is the number one place to go. Because, you know, you can't say the words like, you can't say kill yourself on TikTok. You can't say, um, you just can't say words. Yeah. Like, you'll just immediately get your video taken down. Yeah. And so the visuals they use and the, you know, they, they don't say kill yourself. They say unalive, for example. Wow. And so like the, the words unalive they use yourself? and the visuals they wow. use, yeah, are pretty like, you know, cutting edge, you could say on TikTok that could be applied elsewhere. That's interesting. Okay. I, I'll, uh, let me add two things. Then. One is the w one guy who's figured it out is um, Isaac from Mini Katana yes. who's selling swords. And he's just like, I do so much organic content and it's so viral that I can get around the marketing restrictions. Uh, but I will say this as someone who's been in one of these regulated industries in the past, if you have not launched a business, don't do a regulated industry. Please it is don't. so like, it's hard enough. This battle is already hard enough. Yeah. It's 10 times harder if you have to fight Facebook, not 10 times, a thousand times harder. If you have to fight Facebook, your bank, Twitter, Google, yeah. Shopify, Stripe, like it just, it, it's almost not like you are not going to win so many battles. You have to win so many battles to get this right. If you haven't done this already, don't do this. Even alcohol, I think, is an industry that people shouldn't get into. Like, there's so many great wine. Like, wine is such a perfect space for e-commerce, and nobody can get it right because it's so expensive to comply. With a hard liquor, it's impossible. Like, it's just too, it's too much uphill, too many uphill battles to make this thing work. Yeah. 
Okay, Nick, I went to Long Weekend's website and I used Weekend Pay when I checked out. I know that's powered by Tandem. Can you tell me what the hell Weekend Pay is? Yes, so Tandem's awesome. Have you ever gone to JetBlue's website or the Macy's store and been asked to sign up for their credit card? That's because the stores benefit from lower processing fees, higher shopper AOV, higher customer loyalty, and a higher repeat purchase rate. Tandem allows any Shopify brand to build their own branded credit card system. Previously, you had to be a billion dollar a year brand to go to a big bank and build a branded credit card with them. I've actually gone down that path to see what's possible, and that's how I actually discovered Tandem. The same team that built this at Capital One for brands is now making it so that any DTC brand can immediately launch a branded credit card. On top of that, with Tandem, you can focus on contribution margin. Many of the brands launching with Tandem are seeing a 10% increase in contribution margin from the program. 2024 is the year to focus on profit. To learn more about Tandem, open your browser and enter dtc.creditcard and then press enter. Book a demo with the amazing team at Tandem. And if you're a brand that does over $5 million a year, you'll get a $100 Amazon gift card. Again, go to dtc.creditcard to make more profit. All right, on to the next one? Yes. Okay. As the founder of a direct-to-consumer brand starting from scratch, navigating the zero-to-one path, would you advise focusing on organic posting or investing in paid ads from the get-go? Additionally, if leaning towards the latter, should I handle it myself or consider hiring somebody given our limited resources? Okay, starting a direct-to-consumer brand from scratch. Okay, so let's think about what organic posting here is like posting on Instagram, posting on Instagram, Facebook, Reels, Twitter, TikTok, all that probably kind of some, stuff. some level of influencer seeding, basically things that are non-paid ads. Yeah. This is such an uphill battle to get organic posting when you have a brand that like no one recognizes. First, no one's following you. How are you going to get any sales? You know, no one's literally no one's following you. So yeah. like your first hundred people may see your brand, but not purchase. Maybe the first 10,000 people may see the brand and not purchase. And it's going to take you a long time to go from zero to a thousand on Instagram. Uh, like it's not going to take you a day. It's going to take you months. Yeah. And so I think that, um, I like the idea of organic posting. It's like, I would say, look, if you're like very resource constrained and you're getting into the business, probably there's nothing else you can do. Like you can go to product hunt, you can try and go to Reddit and get into like communities like that. Like one of my friends launched this leather goods company and he was really active in a blog called, not a blog, but like a forum called Style Forum where people would talk about like, you know, the best handbag to carry or the best watch or stuff like that. And he'd be like, oh, we're using vegetable tan leather and we're getting it from here. So people get excited about his product and he would get some uh, sales that way. And that was an interesting way of like getting sales. Yeah. But it was a long-term game, right? Mm-hmm. He's, when he started with the idea, he started posting about it. And then when he st- like, you know, started selling, you could sell a few units there. I think that you got to try paid early because you want to see if you can scale that. And that's where the, that's how you get from five to $10 million. Very few people are able to get to $10 million without some type, some type of paid advertising yeah. being the backbone of that growth. But if you're constrained by resources, you can do organic. You just have to be clever about it. It cannot just be, I just posted on Instagram and reels. It has to be, I was on Reddit forums. I created Reddit threads that were super interesting. I like, um, you know, was on style forum or forums like that. Uh, like if you're, for instance, there's a company called Rome.travel, which is a graduate of YC and they do like, they help you book uh, travel on points. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're almost like Expedia, but they show you point results. You know, I'd be on flyer talk and forums about travel if I were launching something like that. That's good organic posting. Just Instagram reels, it won't be enough. I actually think I would recommend getting your first 50,000, if not 100,000 of revenue organically, because I think it forces you to create content and put it out on like reels, TikTok, and shorts. I think it also helps you understand like what type of messaging are you, uh, one, like who's your customer, who's buying versus who you think is your customer, because those are, if you're starting from scratch, those are always two different, completely different people. I think it, it forces you to be creative about how you are messaging and how you are you know, how you're even setting things up. For example, if, you, if, you're, if you're given a card with $100,000 and you're just launching, you know, you might be eager to turn the ads on and start running traffic to your site, but you, you, your site forgets to mention, you know, what is the actual benefit of the product? Great or point. when does it arrive? And so I think it's worth getting the first chunk of sales organically. And then I think once you figure out what works, it's worth putting paid behind that. And I say this with, 
the regret of sometimes even spending too early and then later thinking, you know, I should have taken this uh, $20,000 and actually just put it toward getting better content made for organic or seeding it to influencers or trying to figure out what are like the, the broke man's way of getting top of funnel before turning the ads on. I guess the question is like, um, you know, isn't the organic posting going to lead to the same issues of like, oh, you forgot to put like important feature benefits of your product. You forgot to put totally. reviews, all that kind of stuff. Aren't you going to, is it going to be the same, but it's going to take longer, especially at 50, a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. I think it would take I mean, a little bit longer. Yeah. You know, we have a, a brand that we quietly launched and it took us about two months to hit that 50,000 wow, just okay. from organic. And you're a pro. Right, like you, yeah. you live. So, like, if you're, um, but I wouldn't say I was yeah. a pro with organic before okay. we started this. Okay, and that was honestly like the biggest slap in the face to me was, yeah, wow, I actually know nothing, yeah, about the zero to one. Okay, yeah, uh, this is the. I, I genuinely think the zero to one is the hardest part. Yeah, once you get your first hundred thousand dollars in sales, it's basically ten times easier than yes. the first hundred thousand. Yes, yeah, I think that's the hardest part because you have to figure out not only like you know, sure, you might have a great product, but you're like, okay, but which specific audience, you know, I'm not just selling to women. Am I selling to women who are 24 to 36? Am I selling to women who are 46 to 74? You know, you got to get very specific. What is the reason they're going to buy my product versus a competitor? And I think it's worth figuring those things out without spending money on paid. Yeah, uh, that's fair. I, I like, uh, you know, when we launched uh, Native, and this was, you know, a long time ago, we launched on Product Hunt. Yeah. And we were subscription only. And like the first dozen comments where I would buy this if this wasn't a subscription. And mm. so then I was like, okay, let me take off the subscription. And that's what made the business work. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there is a lot of truth to what you said. I would still do paid first. <laughs> All that said, I would still do paid first. How would you go about like your first creative test? Would you just come up with a bunch of ideas, throw them against the wall and see what sticks? That's exactly what I do. Okay. Like, you know, for instance, if, if I was launching an athletic greens competitor, I would like try and copy their, I'd say, what, what, which one of their ads has been around for a really long time? Can I make something like this? Is it cheap to make something like this? What are the claims that they're making that are interesting? Are they talking about energy? Are they talking about weight loss? Are they yeah. like, you know, if I'm launching, uh, so I'd say like, what are the other things that people are doing in this space that are successful? Otherwise, I, I would just try and say, okay, this is what I think people are going to care about. Yeah. Um, and you know, I've seen a lot of brands launch and they'll even make like claims that may not, they shouldn't probably shouldn't make, but then they'll be like, okay, we uh, found out that these claims are important. We'll go get tested and make sure that we can make those yeah. claims. And I can understand that as well a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, okay. Next question uh, comes from, is it Matthias? Matthias. Matthias. With more direct sales channels, such as TikTok shops, do you believe websites will become less important in the future? It's a good wow, question. That is a good question. So I just I, I just went to speak at the TikTok identity offsite in New York. And we were talking a lot about TikTok shops. Uh-huh. And by identity, it's like, you know, tagging and pixel events, that type of identity. Not they're gonna look at all of us. <laughs> <laughs> but um TikTok shops yeah, that they don't have uh, offsites for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> TikTok shops have blown up. And there's actually somebody we both know who has consistently been one of the top five TikTok shop brands. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. And, um, the and, doctor. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've bought a couple things from TikTok shop myself because the flow of buying is so, so easy. I mean, you see an insanely compelling video and then it's like literally two clicks and then you double tap for Apple Pay and the product is on its way. TikTok has things on its back end that sort of make sure it's a legit product. Like, you know, uh, when we uploaded Long Weekend, you have to submit your ingredients panel. You have to submit your certifications. Like, it's not like they're just shilling a bunch of stuff. Yep. And you got to provide a tracking great. number right away yeah. oh, like in the next couple of days. Otherwise, they're like, we're going to cancel this. We're going to let the customer cancel this order. Exactly. I don't think websites are going to be less important. I do think that, you know, this single product purchase experience will be congruent though. So I think just like TikTok shops sort of focus entirely on one product, feed-based advertising is the online alternative to that, which is I think a lot of advertising will just move toward becoming more feed-based, just like a DPA or Google Shopping, where uh, you know you have to be better at optimizing what that specific creative is. And also when people get to that page, you have to make sure they can fully understand and learn what you're selling and all that. 
Yeah, okay. Um, so let me uh, say two things about that. Well, let me ask one question. Do you know anyone whose business is more than, they do more than 10% of their business through Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok shops? Not personally. Okay. Me neither, uh, but I will say that they're more, they're better than I thought they would be. Agreed. I thought they would be like garbage. I think garbage. TikTok shop is way better than what Facebook rolled out. How so? The user experience is, is significantly better. better. Okay. And I think, I think this is also their V1. Like, I think they're about to roll out a bunch of, I mean, I know they're about to roll out a bunch of updates that I think are going to make the shops much better and more like product-focused landing pages versus just, uh, you know, five images, a description, and a buy button. Yeah. So I'm going to disagree with you and say, yes, websites will become less important, but it's going to be so far from now that it doesn't yeah. matter. Like, the answer is you, it doesn't matter to you right now. But I think five years from now, Facebook will have either owned, Facebook should either buy Shopify, which is a, quite a call, or build their own Shopify. And yeah. like, you know, they've got to build reviews, for instance. How, like, I don't understand how Facebook shop doesn't automatically import reviews. TikTok does. TikTok does. Yeah. Google oh, does sorry. as well. I don't know if they import, but they have their own reviews platform, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. The problem is if you're Jones Road Beauty or, you know, you have so many good reviews yeah. in so many different places, you want to be like, look, I don't want to start from scratch on my Facebook shop and drive people to Facebook where I've got zero reviews or one one-star review and five five-star reviews because that also looks shitty. Instead, look at my 40,000 reviews that I want to send you. Yeah. What's crazy is I believe that the iOS rollout made Facebook's information so gray that Facebook decided to roll out their own shop and it will make... Facebook build their own version of Shopify and Amazon product page so that people can build be really beautiful pages inside Facebook uh, to get sales. Yeah, And so I, I think the answer is yes, but not for a long time. Yeah. The other thing TikTok shop does, uh, which I think is genius, is when you upload a product, you have to answer so many little questions. You know, is this organic? Is it vegan? Is it safe for this? Is it yeah. safe for that? Does it do this? And all these little questions, I think, are going to build them the world's greatest model of who to serve which ads to. Oh, because if someone's like, I only buy vegan stuff. Yeah, only it's like, TikTok you know, exactly, you yeah. know that now. Facebook yeah. doesn't really collect any of yes, that. They're just yes. like, sync your Shopify yes. feed, and that's it. But TikTok asks so many questions that they'll be able to identify patterns. Uh, another another software that came to mind as uh, we got to add it to yeah. the list at the beginning. Ready? Yeah. Bizarre voice. Oh, God. <laughs> God, yeah. As yes. you were talking about review yes. syncing that came yes, to mind. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, I do think that like um, Facebook doesn't focus on Facebook shops, or I feel like there isn't, I don't hear a lot of people Yeah, there was being a little like, focus on it, and then I think it went away. Yeah, and I think someone inside Facebook should be empowered to be like, look, we're building Facebook shops into a real platform. We're going to make it, you know, I hate to say it, a genuine competitor to Shopify, but a genuine competitor to Shopify. Like, yeah. you will want to drive ads to your Facebook shop instead of your website because we have everything that your website offers we have a lot more data that we can collect here and a lot more data we can provide. A lot more data such that we can make better decisions for your advertising in the future. Like think about all the guys who we've chatted with that spent 80% of their uh, ad budget on Meta. Yeah, I bet they'd be willing to say, okay, I'll make my Shopify site less important and my Facebook site more important if you can make that 80%, 10% more efficient. Totally. And I bet they could do that if they were like, most of your transactions happen through shop. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, they should build out a desktop version. They should import reviews. They should be able to make, you know, Amazon lets you make this, it's called like an A plus product page where you have mm -hmm. a bunch of like different information about your product after like the top part. You should have all of that. Like, you know, give me, uh, give me like on, like, you know, right on average, this, this shop set, like, you know, Facebook could say on average, this shop, uh, provides a tracking number within 24 hours, Totally. you know, to get to yeah, even earn you more credibility. percent of customers are satisfied. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so like, um, it could be a third party that offers a lot more credibility to yeah. be, cause a lot of people who are buying a direct to consumer, are like, I don't trust direct to consumer. I don't right. know. I've been burned before. Is my credit card information going to get stolen? All that kind of stuff on Facebook, you know, that's not going to happen, but it'd be great if you could do a lot more, but like, you know, subscriptions, for instance, you can't do that on Facebook shop as far as I'm aware. Right. Like, you know, they have to build out a subscription platform. Too, can't do it. So like, that's a lot of, like, you know, you want to make it so that when I send out an email, I can probably send them to my Facebook shop. If that's going to be fast. Like, you know, right. there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of lift that they need to do in order to make their product good enough such that websites matter less, but I think they can do it and I think they should do it. Agreed. Fully agreed. Um, all right. Next question. Yes. All right. What is the best strategy for brands that don't solve a obvious problem, but rather just promote a lifestyle? What's the best way to market it in terms of creatives, for example, luxury dress wear? 
So is this like if you're doing a, like a you're a stylist, you're yeah, a maybe coach, think of it as weight like loss. A, maybe think of it as like a, a high end dress shirt company that somebody's launching. Uh, they don't solve a problem, but rather just promote a lifestyle. Okay, so th- this is still a physical product company. Yeah, yeah. Magic Spoon used to do these amazing ads where they were like, here's us and here's them. And they'd be like, thumbs up, thumbs down. And be like, we got one gram of carbs. They have 40 grams of carbs, yeah. zero sugar, 400 grams of sugar. Like, you know, I thought those were really good ads. I think that's hard because like, you know, if you're comparing yourself to a competitor, probably not necessarily the most premium thing in the world. I think they weren't like, look, we're trying to go for premium. They're trying, they're like, we're trying to go for healthy. I don't know how you do Like, is it, you know, you, you if you're the dress shirt competitor, is it you showing Robert, What's that guy's last name? Herkovac from uh, Shark Tank. Herkovac, yeah. getting off of a private jet, wearing one of his, yeah. those sharp dress shirts and a tie with a really nice, getting into a black like uh, you know Maybach. Is that it? Yeah. What do I you think, do? Tell me. I think it's. Um, I think this this person knows the answer, which is that essentially you've got to you got to make it cool. You've got to make it cool enough for somebody to say, you know, I, I really want to go get that. Apparel is uh, like that's that's probably one of the reasons I never really invest in apparel companies is. You don't really know. Like, it's either going to be a huge win or it's going to be a flop, and it really depends on who. You know, unless it's like performance wear, it depends on is this cool. Like, is is Robert Herjavec going to wear this? Is somebody like him going to wear it over everything else? So I think with this, you sort of have to figure out how it's cool. Aritzia does a really good job of this. Like, you know, they they know how to make it, how to create that FOMO, but with the influencers they seed product to, or like Warby Parker just did a collaboration with Emma Chamberlain. And, you know, that's going to bring a bunch of people in and think, oh, that's awesome. I may not even need another pair of glasses, but because Emma's a part of this, I want to now be a part of it. And uh, essentially it comes down to like top of funnel that creates FOMO or makes something look cool. I agree with you in somewhat, and I disagree with you. I, like the Emmer Chamberlain Warby Parker thing, I saw signs for it and I was like, like, where is this coming from? Warby Parker is based on the idea that they get Good frames for a reasonable price. What is Ember Chamberlain doing here? Is she going to make the frames different? Like, you know, I don't understand where that, I don't understand that collaboration very well, yeah. but I do think you're right. Like for Mad Happy, mm-hmm. it's great. I love that. I don't own anything from Mad Happy, but every time I see it, I'm like, wow, this is an awesome brand. And I usually yeah. see it because you're wearing it, frankly. Yeah. And I'm like, this is a great brand. And I don't know how they consistently make it exciting and fun. Is it like limited edition drops to create FOMO? Is it just promoting it with the right influencers? Is it getting people like you to be super excited about it? Like people who are optimistic to be like, what is it there? Like, how did you discover I think it is that like, uh, you know, one brand that comes to mind is, have you heard of a brand called Siegelman Stable? No. So Siegelman Stable started by this guy named Max Siegelman. I think he just started it as like a side hustle when COVID was going on. And he, I think it's his family's ranch or, or uh, family owned ranch or, or he's involved in the ranch. He basically sent a bunch of these Siegelman stable hats. They're just really nice, high-end looking hats to NBA players during the bubble. And he just shipped it to the bubble address and put their name on it. It got to their hotel rooms. They all just started wearing it. All of a sudden, people were like, oh my God, you know, LeBron's wearing this or ASAP Rocky's wearing this. You know, I want to wear this. And uh, he would purposely sell out of SKUs like when the drops would happen and I think it is that, you know, slow, like you have to anticipate for the next year and a half, it's going to be a slow growth where you forcefully sell out, you make yes. fewer SKUs. You know, it's not something my brain is wired to figure out how to do yes. or probably even has the patience, but yes. I always have a hats off, you know, hat tip to those people who do figure that, that out. That is really good. I feel like, um, I, I think of another example, like Sporty and Rich, which yeah. remember that like, you know, they've done a good job of like being cool. I'm not sure how, but that's awesome. Yeah. Like, I think I heard Allbirds, when they launched, they sent uh, their shoes, their wool, tree wool shoes, to, like, a bunch of startup CEOs mm-hmm. to get them to wear it, hoping that it would trickle down to, like, you know, the C-suite and, like, the rank and file at startups. And I heard, like, Patagonia did the same thing with, like, their vests. They, yeah. like, gave it to, like, Facebook execs. And a bunch of people were like, oh, if Mark Zuckerberg's wearing this, maybe it's awesome. Although yeah. I'm not sure if Zuck was the guy wearing it. And so I think that is a really interesting, um, like, that's a great way to see your product and make it interesting. Yeah. It is certainly a slow burn rather than going back to paid ads, which is like, I want revenue right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a great example. Yeah, I do think you need to make it interesting and fun. And does that moment, like, I guess, let me ask another question. Does that moment pass really quickly? Like, I like uh, this is the hard part for me with apparel brands. I feel like they're all hot until they're not, and then they're yeah. dead. 
But I, I don't know. There's some, like, Aloe doesn't seem to be going that direction. It seems to be exciting still. I think it comes back to, again, can you figure out how to make it cool? Like, yeah. can you get the the stylish people wearing it again yeah. or talking about it again? Like, you know, like Crocs is, is a good example of this, right? Like Crocs was really big. Then it sort of like went under the radar. And then as of last year or two years ago, they're back in a huge way. Yeah, yeah, and it's because of the collabs they're doing. Yeah. And uh, I would love to do like an episode where we brainstorm ideas for how to do top of funnel. Because I think that most people, when they hear top of funnel, they think, okay, we got to start running TV or podcast or we need to throw up out of home. But the best top of funnel is, I think, collabs like this, like Warby Parker bringing Emma Chamberlain in or Emma Chamberlain doing Aritzia or Post Malone doing something with Crocs. You know, like there's no better top of funnel or the Skinny Confidential doing a product with some brand. You know, like that is the best top of funnel. Even it, it might not convert on that exact product, but, but then make your brand when, you know, you're coming to Thanksgiving relevant. shopping and you see Jolie, you're like, wait a second, I learned about this because Jolie did a collab with this company. Yeah, it makes your brand relevant for sure. Like yeah. I remember Crocs, for me, they I like they came back and now I own a bunch of pairs of Crocs and I love them. Yeah. Do you own any Crocs? No, I've never oh had Oh my God, pair. it's the best shoe in the whole world. Like, um, I, I probably own four or five pairs now. Wow. I've got them all in the last five months. They're incredible. You put them in sport mode? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, they did this collaboration with KFC where they had yeah. um, like little chicken uh, wings hanging off the front and they actually smelled like chicken wings too. Oh, and wow. I was like, I need to get a pair of these and they sold out in two seconds. And yeah, I was like, yeah. okay, this is cool. I, so I do think that I, I get where you're coming from, from collabs. I think there are misses with collabs. I think that Emma Chamberlain totally. and Warby Parker might be one of them for me because I'm just like, I understand what, I understand what Warby Parker, like- It's a very niche audience. Yeah, maybe it's a very niche audience. I, I think there are opportunities to do a lot of collaborations. And I think that, you know, Emma Chamberlain can be like, hey, we're making a, you know, like Erwan always does a smoothie. That's yeah. like, this is a Kim Kardashian smoothie. It's $24. Yeah. And you're like, well, let's see what's going on here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let me. Is there a, like, I, is there a firm for the smoothie here? Uh, but yes, um, yeah, I do think that, that that is a way to make your brand really relevant. Yeah, yeah. Drink now, way, pay later. Yeah. Do you know where Erwan's name comes from? No, I heard it's like um, what, what is it called? It's an acronym or not an acronym? What is it with like you know you can rearrange the letters and it's like nowhere. It actually is nowhere oh, spelled in different letters. Interesting. But it's not like backwards. It's not like a palindrome or whatever. But whatever yeah. it is, where you like rearrange the letters, it's nowhere. That's amazing. Okay, I think we got time for one more question. Uh, let me go to this one, which is, if you were to start an e-commerce business today, what industry would you go to? And how much money do you think it'll take from go, to go from zero to one to validate the market? Very Oh, man. Hmm. Industry, I'm not 100% sure. I would make sure of a few things. I think I'd make sure there's enough margin to spend money up front, get a customer. Uh, there's enough margin to, or there's enough, uh, there's some sort of a repeat purchase, ideally a, a cadence, so a subscription and something that has like a direct effect on your life, you know, a direct benefit on your life. So not something where it's like it, you know, makes your room smell better, but maybe something that changes your life for the better. Um, I love that. The margin thing. Absolutely. Like yeah. you should anticipate that you're going to spend 40% on Facebook ads or marketing. I shouldn't say just mm -hmm. Facebook ads, but on marketing, does that margin structure fit in? And like, you know, I would do that margin structure first and be like, what has 40% margins where I can ship this thing, still advertise and make money on it? Yeah. So I would do that calculation right out of the gate. And I think that's really important. And you hit that nail on your head, uh, hit the nail on that its head there. Um, I agree with the second thing you said as well, which is repeat purchase. Like one of the very few businesses where that are one-time purchase are worth a high multiples of their EBITDA. Yeah. You know, like Casper, uh, like, you know, hardware, like things that you purchase once and only once, you have to acquire so many customers all the time that it almost never makes sense long. Like, you know, you're like, okay, great. Most people have a Casper mattress and there's five competitors. Like, you know, now what do I do? I, I lo love businesses with repeat purchase rate. And that doesn't necessarily mean it has to, like, you know, Jolie's a great example of that. Yeah. Hardware that does have a repeat purchase rate. Uh, you know, Jasper air filters, you know, yeah. hardware that does have a repeat purchase rate. You know, deodorant, uh, you know, per repeat purchase rate. It doesn't have to be personal care, beauty. It can be other things that have a repeat purchase rate. F filter baby. In fact, I prefer the, I think the, the filter babies and Jolies of the world may be even better yeah, uh, than the other ones because um, there's like hardware attached to it. Totally. And so you're more bought into that uh, lifestyle. Uh, but I do think that a repeat purchase rate is necessary. The other thing that I think about is like um, really like 
this is hard and it'll vary for everybody. It's like, you said it has to have a direct effect on your life. For me, it's like, what do you want to see? Like, you know, there's like the, with deodorant, I was like, you know what? I wish there was a product that stood for this. Yeah. Uh, like, what, uh, you know, Athletic Greens, I love that idea. Like, this is a product that you want to drink in the morning to make yourself feel healthier and start the day off in a foot that's like, I'm not going to eat ice cream all day. Right. I'm not going to splurge. I'm going to do things that are healthy for my body. And I'm starting that way off in a way that like tastes good and is reasonable and starts right away. Like think about things that you uh, that would like affect your life in that way. Um, and that's what I'd encourage you to do. Yeah. I think I would still uh, do a household cleaning brand. Household cleaning brand. Yeah. Will long weekend launch cleaning products? No. How come? I don't know. I feel like it'd be a weird product extension. Yeah. Yeah. There aren't that many people who go from personal care to cleaning products. Although yeah. like Method is definitely an example of something that's, that's done like hand soap and deodorant and body yeah. wash and stuff like that. It's not impossible. Yeah, no, it's not impossible. But like, yeah, P&G, they never did that. I would like, you know, Tide never launched, you know, the pods for their dishwasher. Right. Instead, they had Cascade do that. Yeah, different yeah, yeah, brand. Yeah. So I, that, I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Okay, I think that's all the time we've got for episode one of season seven. I really love doing these Q&As. Same. Uh, they're so much fun. I think and, one thing we, we should try to do too is... Uh, we should source a really good question for a future episode and make the entire episode figuring that question out. So like an example is, how does a brand build top of funnel? Yes. That is not the conventional, what you would read when you search on Google. And we we both do research and come up with ideas and then come and record an episode. I'm Gabe. You I tweet know. it out, I'll retweet it, and let's get it going. Okay, let's perfect. source the question. Awesome. Awesome, that's a wrap for episode one. Thanks so much for joining. See ya. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next time to cut through the noise in CPG, retail, and e-commerce. And if you enjoyed this episode, then why not share it with a friend? And be sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss the next one.